This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hi everybody, Civilized Barking. I'm Zach Jackson. We are three days, four days into free agency uh, by rule, but who needs those? We're about 30 hours into free agency. The new league year, I guess. Um, the player movement period. Um, you know, exciting times for the Browns. Not um, a super exciting week. Certainly a solid week. Uh, whatever whatever other adjectives you have for it, I can't totally argue. Um, you know, unremarkable? Eh, I don't know. Um, certainly wasn't ever going to be the fireworks bonanza it's been in previous years, even last year, you know, when they went out in the first few hours and did what they did. Surprising on some levels. I mean, you can't say predictable because we all thought the Browns would be in on one of the big pass rushers. Um, the Browns have not signed a big-time pass rusher. They signed Tack McKinley, who's a second- or third-tier free agent. Um, you know, has had a wild ride. So oh, I'll say this about Tack McKinley. If the Browns sign him in June, all of us are like, yeah, that's that's a great takeaway. When they sign him on the second day of free agency, I'm like, yeah, okay, what's next? And that's what we're wondering. So anyway, thank you for listening. Uh, a reminder to get on board reading The Athletic if you haven't. The app is awesome. Everything is awesome. And the special right now, uh, $1.00 a month for the first six months. You can't beat it. You get in now, you get all the free agency stuff, all the draft stuff. I was on a campus today interviewing a prospect, um, you know, and that will carry you all the way through. So uh, a lot going on. Uh, we're participating in another mock draft. Um, you know, as we get here past, officially past the first wave of free agency, we'll be into depth charts and all of that stuff. It's an exciting time for the Browns. Uh, look, Regardless of what did or didn't happen this week, Carl Lawson and Trey Hendrickson and Romeo Aquara and different corners and different safeties and other things, the Browns were still going to be a team with a really good roster, a team with a roster full of a bunch of guys who are 24, 25, 26 and have proven something in this league, right? A team that has, has some big decisions coming, has to save some pennies for those decisions has to eventually make some difficult decisions, specifically a wide receiver a year from now, maybe on the offensive line, those things. But um, as we lay it out here, John Johnson, the third to safety makes a lot of sense. Uh, he's probably the deep safety here. And look, this team needed a deep safety. So you can say, yay, we're excited. We're going to the Super Bowl. You can say, I'm not impressed. You can be in the middle. The fact is one good, smart, efficient, and time-tested, quite frankly, way to use free agency is to take a huge weakness and at least patch it up, if not get on your way to turning it into a strength. The safety play last year was abhorrent. It was awful. No lead was safe. Um, the Browns still don't have the manpower across the defense. That's fine. It's March 18th. The Browns play on, like, September 18th. Right, But the safety play last year was terrible. You identify a 25-year-old player with big game experience, with leadership skills. John Johnson called the signals for the Rams. Um, again, I think he'll be the deep safety here, but a couple things we don't know exactly how the Browns want to play defense when they have NFL-quality personnel. We don't know, you know if Grant Delpit is full go from day one. 
certainly even if he is medically, and you hope that he is. We believe that he will be by September. This is a guy that missed everything his rookie year, so we don't know. So it might be a little bit of a hedge against Delpit uh, in an ideal world, and that's what you do in March. You have a guy who um, you know comes in and is an upgrade and allows you to play three safeties and do all of these different things. Then you go to Tack McKinley, who again, because we talked about the timing with J.J. Watt. I didn't think the timing with J.J. Watt and the Browns was ideal. That was going to be a big commitment for an older player. You know, for a guy, obviously there was appeal in J.J. Watt playing inside and Miles Garrett playing on the outside. And when you look at what they have now, man, um, you, you have questions, right? But, like, the, the timing is just like, okay, with Tack McKinley, where do you go? Well, you know, I, I don't think the Browns will get involved in a guy like Carlos Dunlap, who has some baggage. Um, but like a Melvin Ingram, a Ryan Kerrigan, you know, um, one of the old Eagles guys, Derek Barnett, who's still on the roster. He's not one of the old guys. He's 24, Vinnie Curry. Uh, you know, I'm kind of spitballing names. The Browns need a starting defensive end. Tack McKinley is not that. Tack McKinley is a 25-year-old pass rusher who followed two good years with two down years who had a really strange year from a public Twitter spat to a couple of injuries and a bunch of failed physicals. And three times, I guess, the Browns um, tried to claim him on the waiver wire. I remember two two times uh, the Falcons cut him and he kept, you know, going to a new team, getting claimed immediately on Tuesday and then failing the physical and that team had to decide. Ended up finishing the year with the Raiders. All reports out of Las Vegas were that the Raiders wanted to keep him. We know they need help on their defense, you know, as badly, maybe not, maybe even worse than the Browns do. So the Browns went up, made, made him a nice little one-year prove-it offer, and they got him. And then uh, on the third day, uh, or actually on the fourth day, excuse me, they go add Troy Hill, a 29-year-old corner, also from the Rams, proven player, uh, five seasons with the Rams of, of being a solid guy. Only one season as a full-time starter, uh, but probably the slot corner here in Cleveland. Can play outside, has proven interception record, has proven big game experience. This is what you want. So um, interesting that the Browns go the Troy Hill route instead of the Adoree Jackson route, the former first-rounder who was released this week. Um, interesting. You know, you knew you knew Terrence Mitchell wasn't coming back. You knew Larry Ogunjobi wasn't coming back. We'll get into that. I thought Kevin Johnson might stay either as the slot corner or as the utility guy. About an hour after the Browns went to Troy Hill, Kevin Johnson signed elsewhere, signing with Tennessee, another team that has a bunch of good guys on offense and, and major defensive questions, although they've had a busier week than the Browns trying to fix that defense. So we'll see. So what you have is the Browns having re-signed Richard Higgins, re-signed Malcolm Smith, re-signed JoJo Natson, who's not a good player, uh, tendered Kadero Hodge, who you know they want to be a good player and I think has been a solid special teams player. Um, we'll see. The only receiver right now who by letter of, of the law, and that's guaranteed money, the only receiver on the Browns roster who has guaranteed money past this coming season is Donovan Peoples-Jones. Higgins signs a one-year, Hodges on the tender, and we know what's up with Landry and Beckham. They they make a lot of money, and the guarantees are almost gone on that. They're not gone now. Um, you know, 12-plus million of Odell's money is guaranteed for injury, so, so he's basically assured to be with the Browns unless they can trade him. Um, look... Everybody has an opinion on Odell. The pass offense did not get good last year until he was gone. Well, the flip side of that is the pass offense last year did not get good until he was gone. And that's that's comfort level. 
that's comfort zone, that's play calling, that's confidence. Um, everybody has an opinion on Baker Mayfield too, but there's one thing for sure. He doesn't hide much. He shows you in his body language what he's thinking, what he's feeling, if he's feeling it on a certain day, um, what he likes from from his teammates, what he likes and doesn't like, what he sees from the defense and how a game's going. And when that light came on last December, he played great. He, he was awesome for some games. He was good in almost all of them. He was a different quarterback. The Browns were a different offense because they weren't able to unlock some of those doors. So, you know, I think it's important that Rashard Higgins came back. Um, these are long seasons, guys. And, and Rashard Higgins is a backup. Other teams viewed him as that. I just thought it was important for the Browns and Higgins to get back together because here he has the chemistry. He has the trust. We saw great production last year in the second half of the season. And, and, and not just with the receivers and not just with Baker, but everybody on the Browns. We're looking at organic growth. This is the first time in three years they haven't fired everybody to finish the season. The offense, as I mentioned, was really good all year and hit another level in late November, early December. It carried the Browns into playing on January 11th, right? So organic growth from that second year, from going through all the adversity and all the weird circumstances, from going through the big games, must-win games in December, and two playoff games, one they won, uh, one they easily could have won. If Higgins holds on to the ball, right, if the defense can get one stop against Chad freaking Henny. So the Browns are right there. Um, you know, I don't see anything that's gone on in the, in the uh, early NFL player movement period that has shifted the balance of power in the AFC. Everyone is chasing KC. Uh, they are secretary. Right, I don't know. They're not unbeatable. We've seen that. They're better than everybody. Um, the Browns, Buffalo, and Baltimore are right there. Um, how far back? How do they contend with each other? Who's coming? Miami, New England. I don't know who's playing quarterback for those teams. Who's Deshaun Watson playing for next year? How good can Justin Herbert be with a coach who knows how to manage a game? Like I don't know. But look, look, the Browns are in a good spot. They still have cap money. They still have a lot of good players in the prime or just entering the prime of their career. For the first time in a long time, they have adults running the organization. They have a competent coach. They have an offense set to take off. And they have defensive holes to fill. So we'll see what happens with the pass rusher. I'll tell you one thing I don't like this week, guys. Um, and, again, it's it's March 18th. You know, with, with these moves – what we know now, six weeks from the draft, it looks like they've painted themselves into a corner of having to take a defensive end in the first round. Um, and you're at number 26, so you're looking for a compliment to Miles Garrett. You're not getting another Miles Garrett. And, and there's few of those walking the planet. I get it. But my point is, like, <clears throat> you know, there's some 21-year-old pass rushers here who might be great three years from now, and I don't know what they're going to give you right now. So, you know, very – Logical question, but a very tough one to answer. You know, what's next? What are they going to do? Are they going to go get a Kerrigan, a Melvin Ingram to play some defensive end snaps? Is it going to be just a guy? Uh, let's go to timing. Again, um, they don't play for six months. And there's going to be second waves of free agency and trade options and all sorts of things. Hell, they might draft three pass rushers because the stable needs refilled. And I know they guaranteed $3 million or something of tax money. I know Tech has upside. I uh, It also has downside. Um, Larry Ogunjobi is gone. So 
Andrew Billings off a year off as your starting defensive tackle or Jordan Elliott. Um, I remember one play Jordan Elliott made last year. I don't remember two. So he's a rookie, and we'll see. Um, at linebacker, again, this team has shown we've, we value safety over linebacker. We're probably not going to invest in linebacker. Uh, Anthony Walker started the last four years or so with the Colts, was in for a visit today. I do not know anything of a signing there. I can tell you the Colts have $50 million and don't want him back. So um, is he an upgrade over B.J. Goodson? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not the guy to ask there. It doesn't look like the Browns are going to invest in linebacker. Would they take one at 26? I don't know. Nothing they've shown us um, says that. Uh, you ask, don't, doesn't this whole thing go through Lamar Jackson? Yes, it does. So do the Browns have to be better at linebacker? Yeah. What I know there, Jacob Phillips is the gem of the group. He's not yet 22 years old. Um, they believe in him. They did re-sign Malcolm Smith, former Super Bowl MVP. Gave him a, a, a number of quality snaps last year. Um, I'm surprised. I thought he might retire. I thought that because he told me that, that a year ago at this time he wasn't sure he was going to play football. So I guess I took that to mean. But, look, he likes it here. Um, they see him as valuable. And, I don't know, is it 15, 20 snaps? Sure. I mean, Taki Taki was, is basically a second-year player. Mac Wilson's second year did not get started last year because of the injury. So, um, you know, we're still worried about his tweets to tackle ratio. But this is a guy that's played a little bit, has seen some stuff, now gets to be in a defense for the second straight year. You know, hopefully gets through the offseason healthy. You know, there'll be some semblance of a normal offseason for this guy's, whereas last year the world was turned upside down. So even if a lot, a lot of it's on Zoom, even if there's not full mini camps or full OTAs, and I don't know. I don't know how any of this is actually going to go, but you know, the Browns are going to ride the guys they got. So, um, again, I'm looking at the re-signings of Malcolm Smith and saying, I'm, I didn't see that one coming, of JoJo Natson and saying, I, <laughs> golly, I um, thought the idea here was to get better. But, you know, we'll see. Um, they're in a good spot. They have very difficult and very expensive decisions to make. Um you know, the fifth-year options on, on Baker and Denzel are no-brainers. Um, but do you extend and do you extend now? You, you know, if you read and you listen, I say you don't wait on Chubb and on Denzel because those guys are like non-renewable resources at the positions they play. And if you want to commit and you need to commit to them, you just do it. You know, Baker might want to bet on himself. If he has another big year, he's going to get that huge, huge, huge money. Um, I trust Again, I trust that there's a plan. And I know that when you do this and do this right, when you come into free agency, even if you're really sure about plan A, you just don't know. Guys retire. Guys fail physicals. Um, you know, guys get cut by other teams. Um, surprise trade offers come out of the blue. You know, you ask somebody to, to take a pay cut or a reduced rule they don't want to. Anyway, it, it's it's not plan A and plan B. It's plan B and C. It's plan D and E in some cases. And it's linking all those together when you're where the Browns are, which is new territory for this team, guys. Um, they haven't been here with good players to re-up, right? They haven't won 11 games. 11 games used to be two and a half seasons for these guys. And, you know, trying to get – to that next level. Um, I'm adamant, and I'm right, this defense does not have the manpower. But by golly, it's got Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. Pretty good place to start. And, and, and the other thing with, like, the patient approach and what we're going to see here is some fill-in guys. 
you know, a, a one-year linebacker, a one-year defensive tackle, maybe another corner, maybe Gary on Conley. They give him a shot, something like that, right? Like six or seven guys had to play corner last year, right? Um, you know, a defensive on the defensive line, you play eight guys a game. So, yeah, Miles missed the time with COVID, right? Uh, but, like, you don't know who you're going to need and where they're going to come from. Remember, Michael Dunn uh, started the playoff game at guard, guys, for Joel Batonio, who never misses a game, never misses anything. A year ago this week, Michael Dunn was driving home from playing in the XFL, <laughs> okay? Um, you guys wouldn't know Michael Dunn if you saw him at the grocery store with his fiance, <laughs> right? He's back. He's going to be back in camp, and we'll see. And is he going to have to play? Is he going to have to move out to tackle because Kendall Lamb left? Um, you know, is he going to be a backup center, a backup guard again? I don't know. Um, I look a year ahead, and I know Joel Batonio and J.C. Treader are not getting any younger, and I know they both make $10 million or so in 2022. So we'll see. We don't know what happens. Um, one of the, you know, and this wasn't really newsworthy, but it, it, it is a procedural thing that happened, I guess. Um, the Browns, you know, Najoku's money being guaranteed. Like, they were not cutting David Najoku. That was never an option. So, of course, his money was becoming guaranteed. Were they maybe going to trade him? Yes, but maybe. And, and I'll tell you one thing that drives me a little bit crazy is when I hear, well, you know, $6 million to him and, and only $2 million to Higgins. That just seems too much. I'm not arguing that, but, like, we're talking about two different things here, guys. The Browns again and again have doubled down on David Njoku. They drafted him in the first round five years ago. And last year, they picked up the option with the intent to pay it. He plays a different position. He is not produced. He's not trustworthy. He's not consistent. All those things that Richard is, right? But, like, when you look at the tight end room, he's the only one that scares you more than four yards down the field. You're already this invested in him. And I know it's probably not ever going to happen at some point, right? Uh, it has to, He has to show you. But, like, you know, tight ends mean something in this offense. And the continued investment in his development and getting something out of him. And I know he's thanked you by going and asking for a trade request before and then doubling down on it, right? But, like, you know, a picture of this offense really humming Includes at least the threat of David Njoku going down the field. And the Browns would love to have another guy that could that could do that. They would love to move him for a defensive piece. The deal's not there, guys. There's a tight end shortage. You know, it's it's just what it is. So Richard Higgins was a free agent for two years. This one only lasted three days. Last year he was free for two months. He got no love. Then he had a big season. So I guess what I'm trying to say is Najoku or Harrison Bryant or Stephen Carlson, Joel Batonio, Michael Dunn, you know, you'd love it to be Denzel and Miles. Maybe it'll be Tack McKinley. Maybe it'll be Porter Gustin. Maybe it'll be Sheldrick Redwine <laughs> having to be your third safety. I don't know, right? Like, they don't know either, but there's 17 games. There's an extra game and no extra bye week. That's bad, bad business by the NFLPA. The Browns are trying to play 17 plus one plus one more. They're trying to win the division and play that at home. They got to tackle Lamar Jackson, right? Like they were 0 2 against the Ravens last year. Let's not forget that. So, what I'm trying to say is your goals are win the division and play deep into January. You're going to need these guys. And you trust the plan, which I do, which I think if you're listening, you do too. It's not win March, 
right? It's be ready to win in October, November, and then specifically December and January. So there'll be some guys signed or traded for or cycled through some other way, the waiver wire, although that's a lot harder at 26 than it was for all those years the Browns were hanging out on top. And 70% of them will come and go, and you know even some guys in this group will fail. That's, that's proven. Even Andrew Barry, uh, who seems to be sent from the heavens above, is not going to bat a thousand or even close to that. But like you have a good base, you should. Everybody should get better by keeping your coaches and your coordinators together, and and we'll see um, exactly how it goes. So what I did tonight, let me bring this up right now. I threw out uh, on Twitter because I knew I was going to be doing this podcast by myself, um, just to take some asking Jackson questions here. So let me uh, find it. Gosh, there was thirty five responses in in a couple of hours. Um, Question from Matthew. When do the Browns start looking at drafting a line? Betonio and Treader can only stay on so long. Yeah, that's that's an interesting thing. I mean, they drafted Nick Harris last year. They liked the guy. He's not big enough to be a starter in this league. So eventually you're going to have to make a decision. But J.C. and Joel, they don't miss games. They're athletic. They're smart. They're strong. They've seen a lot. Um, you want those guys around. And these are hard decisions. These are first-world problems, good problems to have. When you look at next year, you have 12 guys making in the, you know, um, 10 million or above. That means you got some good players, and they do. There's not an awful contract in that bunch. Question from Adam Do you still think they flip one of those extra threes or fours? I do. You know, I thought, I've been on the record for months saying this, that, you know, um, they would do it now, early in the in the player movement period. That, that hasn't happened. But they don't need nine draft picks. Um, yes, they have defensive holes to fill, but there's not room for those rookies. So, I think they still could, and this answers about six other questions. I still think they could use the trade mechanism, uh, including during the draft, after the draft, to add to that defensive front specifically, to add to that linebacker group. But I also think in-draft, in in-game strategy will be like last year to make a move and to always acquire those extra picks. Really smart front offices, analytically driven front offices. They like extra picks because you can always do something with them, turn them into players, um, turn them into trade packages, you know, wheel them and deal them a, a bunch of different ways. So I do think, you know, I'm, the Browns are, I think it's 89 and 91. Like, I'll bet you anything right now they're not picking at 89 and 91. You know, is that to move up and get the best defensive end in this group? Maybe. You know, is, is one of them just to move off uh, a pick for two picks next year or, or to both of them to move up six spots, also pick up a six and – you know, get get a guy you really want. That that's that that's possible. Question from Roz. It goes mostly against the analytics, but a pressing need at the end. Isn't this the year it makes sense to trade number twenty six and some of those extra picks to a team who needs cap relief, or or to acquire a disgruntled player? And he says Danell Hunter from the Vikings. Um, I'm not totally ruling that out. You know, I think Danell Hunter's uh, message that he would like out was probably based in money, and it came at a certain time to put some pressure on the organization. I'm not sure the Vikings are going to trade him. No, I'm not saying uh, that I'm, you know, privy to the inner workings of, of the Vikings organization. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. You know, as it's structured now, with the money that went to John Johnson, a little bit to tack, to Troy Hill, that needs to be for extensions or something else, you know, I – I'm not closing the door on it, Roz or anyone else. Um, but I'm not sure that that big ticket item is there. Um, I don't know 
you know, why the Browns didn't get Carl Lawson or Trey Hendrickson. I know Clark didn't, didn't hit the market, right? Um, Yanning Nagakwe comes to mind, who they liked before, you know, and now is on his fourth team in, in eight months or something crazy like that. I don't know um, why that didn't happen. So we'll see, but it seems like maybe they're just going to get a different route. And again, as we're right now, it looks like they're painted into defensive end slash pass rusher there uh, at 26, a guy you hope will help you this year and then will blossom into a big-time player. And, you know, if you're going to patch around it this year, then then why not? I, I guess the, the, the thinking would be, and this is totally surface-level thinking, you know, why would we invest in another guy when we're going to do it this way? So um, a lot of those same questions. Okay, a lot of those same questions about realistic chance of a trade and, and um, you know, who you still think could come. But this one is interesting from Evan. Realistic chance to trade for pass rush help. If so, who? And who do you consider our extra pieces? Well, Evan, that, that's interesting, and that's something I wanted to make sure I address here during this ramble. They don't have too many extra pieces. They're good. They have a lot of good players. They have a few great ones. They're in a good spot in a lot of positions. And even teams that are ahead of the Browns in terms of being in the playoffs many years, not just one, or clearly having better players at, at certain groups. And there aren't a bunch of those either. Extra pieces, I don't know. I mean, look, the Browns didn't have to cut any. They cut Adrian Claiborne, right? Like, they, they let Carl Joseph and Sandejo and B.J. Goodson and Terrence Mitchell and Kevin Johnson, like, fade away quickly, right? So is Odell an extra piece? I don't know. You could debate that. Um, as I've been telling you, when there was this false crap about he could has first-round value, no. No, he has no value. He makes $15 million and has one knee until further notice, right? Um, you know, on the O-line, these guys got to play last year because of circumstances. Could they eventually wheel and deal one for something? I don't know. You know, is Njoku an extra piece or is he an important piece? I think either way you answer that, you cringe a little bit, but he's here. He's yours, right? Um, there are no extra pieces at defensive end. There are no extra pieces at defensive tackle. There are no extra pieces <laughs> at linebacker. Um, you know, you hope that Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit, and, and that's a big part of this. We all knew a defensive remake was coming. And we all figured that there would be a big expenditure at defensive end slash pass rusher this week. But as a part of that remake, right, like these two guys coming back, um, the Browns, Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, deep Podesta down the line, they have to decide, you know, what they really think of Greedy Williams, the player, and, and of his shoulder, of Grant Dilpit, the player, and his Achilles, both of them, you know, how much they can improve, how healthy they can stay, how ready they are after a year away as still 22, 23-year-old guys to come in and play high-stakes games with the defense because of that organic growth, because of some better players around them should be ready. I, I, we don't know those answers until they get out there, and we'll see. Um, all these questions, likelihood of moving up in the draft, should the Browns target another defensive end? Question from Keith, should we start the plans for an Andrew Barry statue now or should we wait until after the draft? I think the world of the guy, I think he's super smart. I think he has a feel for the league. I think he has a feel for the organization. I think he has a feel for the roster. He's got big decisions ahead. Let's at least let him win a division first and then build the damn statue. Absolutely. 
Question from Rob. Is upgrading from Sandejo to John Johnson equal to upgrading from Frozen White Castle to Swenson's? Rob, Swenson's gold coin to you. Um, Grant, what do you think the chances are of adding another edge via trade? Kind of been over that. Same question from Andrew. Um, question from Mark. Which free agent outside cornerback makes the most sense, both scheme fit and contract-wise? So uh, I guess in asking this, Mark is thinking the same that I'm thinking, that Troy Hill was signed to be their slot guy. Right, and, and I think it's important to note when people say, why not keep Terrence Mitchell as our three? Terrence Mitchell was an outside corner. Kevin Johnson was the slot corner, right? So at some point you have to be interchangeable and everybody has to be ready. But I think the way the Browns want to play defense, like they don't want to sit back in the soft zones they, they had to last year and just play off of people. Like they want Denzel to trail some receivers. They want somebody other than Denzel that can get up on guys and, you know, play some, play some man coverage. So – I think Gary Conley as a total flyer, which is what he would be at this point. Um, I don't think they're going to go. You know, I know they're not. Who, who got cut tonight by the Bears? Uh, Fuller. I know that he's going to have a job for way out of the budget. It might already. But, like, could they go back to a Dory Jackson? And, again, I don't know his injury situation. Yeah, so, so Mark, uh, I don't have a specific answer to your question. I absolutely think more cornerback help is coming. And, again, this is why – and, 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 you know, hell, maybe it's just around the corner. Maybe it's by the time you listen to this. Maybe there is a move for a veteran defensive end or another upgrade to that D-line so they're not painted into that corner. Um, and I didn't use corner there uh, as a pun um, of taking the defensive end in the first round of the draft. I think you want to keep your options open. Eventually, and I've been adamant in saying this too, you need to stay – if you're going to beat the Chiefs, if you're going to beat the Bills, the Ravens, whomever, right, you need a stable of defensive linemen, specifically pass rushers. Um, to get after those quarterbacks. And you need a stable of defensive backs to run with these guys and to withstand the beating of a 17-19 game season. The defensive backs are the smallest guys on the field, and they are involved in violent collisions almost every play. Don't tell me Denzel Ward is injury prone. Denzel Ward has played in way more games than he's missed. He had COVID this year. He had concussion. Like, things happen, right? Like, you need corners because you can't count. There are so few guys that are consistently going to play 19 games for you and play them at a high level. So, and again, the thing with Joe Woods in this defense, the Ravens cycle through pass rushers every year and every third or fourth year specifically on contract cycles because they are a blitzing defense. They know who their corners are. They have safeties that have come through the pipeline to get everybody lined up, and they play a certain way. You know, are the Browns going to be a three-safety defense? What can the Browns do as far as moving miles around, which we saw a lot of last year? Or, you know, not having to blitz or, you know, using blitzes a certain way to free him up or to catch quarterbacks catch. I guess what I'm trying to say is we're still learning about how they want to play defense and how ideally they want to play defense. They want big, fast, and young. And, again, that's why the Troy Hill thing surprised me a little bit because he's going to be 30 uh, by the time they play a game this year. But that also, along with the John Johnson signing, speaks to they just weren't watching this secondary again um, and, and again. So I trust moves are coming, but I need to see moves multiple before I think this defense is anywhere close enough and that I think the Browns are anywhere near legit contenders to win the AFC. It could happen quickly, and they could be this November. But right now they got a lot to fill. Um, question from Brett. With the gobs of TV money about to come in, 
Will we finally be able to watch out-of-market NFL games without DirecTV? Brett, I don't know that, but guys, um, this it, it happened today while I was in the interview, and then I was writing the Troy Hill story, and uh, frankly, I was trying to watch college basketball, which is what we're supposed to do in March. But mega deal, the NFL and ESPN. Um, there's going to be final week games with implications moved to Saturday, a doubleheader. Monday night football is going to be included in flex scheduling, and there's going to be, I believe, at least three Monday doubleheaders a year. So the Browns are good. The Browns are a sizzle team like they are now. Um, every year that holds true, and obviously they're positioned for a, at least a little bit of a run with it right now. They're going to play a lot of national TV games. They're going to go from none <laughs> during the 0-16 year to a lot. Um, possibly my favorite story, and I, I think I've told it before, is – you know they went, they went one and fifteen, then they went zero and sixteen. Which, as you know, and I'm not trying to go down that road, but they were picked for the London game, like in the middle of the one and fifteen year. Well, they were zero and whatever. They didn't win till Christmas Eve that day. So the NFL kept waiting and waiting to actually announce it, and just hoping the Browns would win a game. <laughs> and they announced it like in in March. But anyway, um, you know times have changed and lots has changed with this team, and we will see. Um, where it goes, but more Monday night football, um, you know, more primetime games for the hot team. I mean, it says it right there, you know, in the wording of what ESPN and the NFL put out of like, you're a good, you're a good team. We are changing the rules and we are coming out and saying like, you are going to play more spotlight games. So we will see how that goes. Uh, what are the Browns biggest needs after free agency? Well, it's a little bit of a trick question because free agency doesn't really end. It, it obviously dies off here in the next 72 hours, but there are different waves of it. You know, um, a defensive tackle right now, you have Sheldon Richardson, who's a really good player, who's 30 and under contract for one more year. You have Andrew Billings on a one-year deal who didn't play at all last year, and you have Jordan Elliott. You don't even – Larry Ogunjobi's gone. Vincent Taylor, who was your fourth last year, he signed elsewhere on, the, on like, the second day of free agency. So that's a need. Again, there's no starting defensive end. Um, there's no stable there. That's a need. You know, if Goodson's not going to be back, I don't know if it's Anthony Walker or not. Linebacker's a need. So, um, you know, I, I think they – I know they like the four tight ends. I don't think they're going to be able to upgrade there. Um, you know, we'll see. Oh, the Kendall Lamb thing. Um, you know, Chris Hubbard is your top backup tackle, but he got hurt in like week 15 and had surgery. So is he going to be ready? I, I don't know. So backup offensive tackle um, is certainly one of those. Um, yeah, question from Andy, and I addressed this earlier. Was the money that Terrence Mitchell got from Houston too much for the Browns to pay a third corner? I just think it's just one of those things, guys. Like Terrence was 29. Terrence was who he was, which was an average – corner talent-wise, who played his ass off and gave the Browns everything he had. And, you know, was because of the contract that he signed at the time he signed it was a great value. He was not designed to start. He's probably right on the border of talent starter-wise. The Browns said, hey, we're, we have to do better. We're going to do better. We're invested in Grady. Maybe or maybe not, they said, we're on the verge of breaking the bank for Denzel. Like, Terrence Mitchell was going to be allowed to go seek a different deal, and he did. So... You know, a year ago, Andrew Barry went out and signed those defensive free agents, seven, six or seven of them, the one-year deals, and Adrian Claiborne, the only one who signed more than a one-year deal. So was there some connection there to the assistant coaches? Did the Browns just like those guys in the draft four or five and six years ago? 
you know, I don't know. I think some of them came in and did a solid job. Goodson was better than anybody anticipated. Um, Carl Joseph did not have a great year. He had about three really big games. I mean, Andres and Dejo might have been the worst player I've ever seen, right? But, like, you, you bring those guys in, you see, and then they're free agents. Like, um, there's going to be more guys come in on one-year deals, and that's that's going to be the flavor of the week, one-year deals. Um, and, again, the Browns are going to chase guys in May, and they're going to chase guys in August, too. Most of those are going to be one-year deals. So you see, and you use the draft as the lifeblood of your team. You hope the Taki Takis and Mac Wilsons and certainly Jacob Phillipses take a leap. You'd like to see something out of the Red Wine and um, Elijah Benton, Javante Moffitt group, right? A.J. Green, the rookie corner last year who they invested in. You'd like him to see, like to see him become at least a competent NFL player, a guy that can give you some snaps if you need to. Got to keep that pipeline humming because – uh, free agency, you'd like to use it for more of what you want than, than what you need. And it's going to be both. And you're always going to have that. Um, the chase for the perfect roster, which is not going to happen. Like, that's on now because th- this is roster movement week. This is everybody had to be under the cap week, right? This is all the headlines week. You're, you know, you're looking for a good roster that fits your style, <clears throat> guys that fit your scheme, your culture, even though that's an overused word. And guys, you think, you know, a number of them, up to 20 of them, that you think are in the prime of their careers when your championship window is open. John Johnson III, 25 years old, same age as Nick Chubb, right? Same age as Baker Mayfield. Pretty close to the same age as Miles Garrett. Let's be honest, Terrence Mitchell was a little older. Larry Ogunjobi was a little older. Um you know, there's going to be exceptions to every rule, and, and sometimes you're just going to have to look at Austin Hooper last year, 25 years old. Jack Conklin, 25 years old. Like, this is the sweet spot, right? You're going to have to count on rookies. You're going to have to count on old guys. You're going to need all hands on deck. You know, I've already been through some of the names. But for your big investments and for right now, and I think the Browns are right now looking at 21 and 22 as years that they should be good enough to go for it. However this pans out, irons out, whatever you want to say, Um, We'll see where it goes. So, again, thank you for listening. Thank you for reading. I went over a lot of what I think is next. Uh, Again, I I don't think Carlos Dunlap is going to be a fit here. Um, That can change in four months. You know, I don't think they're going to get back in the veteran wide receiver market or that, you know, there's going to be a month from now a surprise trade of Odell or Njoku. But but maybe. um, Maybe Denell Hunter does become available, right? You know, maybe this Watson trade or some other crazy trade gets made and all of a sudden, you know, the the chain reaction is that some guy on defense that's a huge, huge name wants out of where he is or needs it or that blockbuster trade that I just mentioned needs a third team to get in and maybe the Browns end up that way. I'll put it this way. I I wonder – why they didn't get a big pass rusher right now. But I'm not ruling them out of any of those things. I trust those guys. I trust that they'll have a plan, and we'll see what happens. It's hard, and this is the lesson from the last 20 years from this miserable organization for so long. It's hard. It's a hard, hard league. It's hard to stay there, too. They've done a great job to this point, but there's 0-0 zero and zero in 2021. Still should be a lot of fun ahead. Subscribe to The Athletic. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review. Tweet me, send me your questions. I'll do a written mailbag the next week or two. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.